everyone. This is Ashley. And this is Kristen. And this is a thousand miles of true crime. So Kristen, let's be honest, like you covered a very personal case last time. So I've been a little worried about you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We're getting some leads and some hits Been some movement on details for this case. So there will be a follow-up coming in the future in regards to the Rachel Mullen Skemp case. Um, Well, I have a question for you. What are you covering today? Oh, I forgot you don't know what I'm covering. No, we're not sharing anymore. Okay, that's right. How about, how would I have you guess? So I'm going to do a serial killer from Chicago. Any guesses? No. I I guess it's... I need more. more. That's what exactly narrowed it down. Okay. He raped and murdered 33 boys. All right. That's going to be Jonathan Casey. Yeah. (laughs) Next, I was going to go with, and he's famous for dressing like a clown. (laughs) Yeah. Notorious and unforgettable. So... Yeah, I'm finally going to do it. So if you guys are not familiar with John Wayne Gacy, he's known as the killer clown. And I'm, I'm going to be surprised if you've never heard of John Wayne Gacy and you've landed on our podcast, but welcome. The one thing I'm going to say, so on this episode, I'm really going to focus on his early childhood. I think it's sort of like a blueprint for how to create a serial killer. I think I'll probably start to sound sympathetic towards him. So just like, you know, Kristen snap me out of it. Remind me of what a horrible guy he is. <laughs> if I start going down that road, definitely not here to offend anyone. I think John Wayne Gacy definitely had a, yeah, he had a bit of a tough childhood. I think a lot of stuff we hear from a lot of other serial killers, but uh, at the end of the day, he's definitely a monster. That whole nature versus nurture thing, I think plays a role. So let's get into it. Do you know, before we jump into it, the one thing that I thought was weird was, uh, so no, it's so weird. He didn't torture animals, but like, it is kind of weird. Like, I think that's one thing we hear often with serial killers and he never tortured animals or anything. So you do have to like wonder maybe he wasn't born this way or, you know, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, okay. Now I'm just going on a tangent, but I also like, which just saw his autopsy and stuff because they wanted to look at his brain and they were you know, they were sort of assuming they'd find some anomaly or something. And have you heard that? But like, they didn't find anything, just a normal human brain. I haven't heard that, but I think that it's interesting that they decided to actually do that, you know, to see if there was something wrong there with the brain. Um, But you said they found nothing. They found nothing. And his sister approved it. She wanted it done. Like she was sort of She's was too. She's like, maybe there's going to be some legion on his brain or something, or we'll learn a lot. No, didn't learn anything. Just look like a normal human brain. Maybe that's even a little creepier. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say, I feel like that's even creepier because like, what would make someone do something as, as all those things that he did? Oh, and then I do remember he was just kind of like a normal, easygoing, nice person from what I know about him. And that's really not his true character. So I'm excited. I'm I'm ready to, to hear about what you got. Okay. Well, let me take you back to 1942. So it's March 17th. It's Chicago, Illinois. And this is when John Wayne Gacy is born. He is one of three children. So he's actually the middle child. And then he has an older and a younger sister. And his parents had him when they were in their 40s. So, you know, that's a little older, um, you know, probably 
I don't know what that means, but maybe that impacted him somehow. I think uh, often older parents can be a little stricter. So maybe that came into play in some way. And also, so they were both working, but shortly after John was born, his mom was able to become a stay-at-home mom. So he got to grow up with that uh, loving mom in his environment, at least. Uh, his dad, I can't maybe say as many nice things about. He was definitely an alcoholic and absolutely abusive. So he would come home, he'd have a rough day at work, he'd head straight for the basement and he would drink his sorrows away. And then what he would do is he'd come upstairs and basically find some excuse, no matter what, to punish the children. And everybody in that house was really fair game for him to abuse. And that's mentally, but even more so physically. I mean, he was even hitting the daughters. He was, he was hitting the mom. He hit the mom so hard at one point he messed up her teeth and she actually, she left for a while. They did leave. I don't even want to say a while. It was pretty quickly. She was back with her husband and the family was all together and, and he was back to his abusive ways. But no matter what, it's pretty agreed upon that John got the worst of it. I mean, he, it was his only son and no matter what he did, he seemed to just sort of be a disappointment for his dad. So his dad was, you know, constantly like, you know, John couldn't do anything right without his dad sort of taking all of his anger out on him. And, you know, there was this one instance where he actually used a razor strap and in this is not one instance, he's done this before, but he would beat him with a razor strap, which I had no idea what it, that is. Do you know what that is? Yeah, it's what they use to sharpen like a, a straight edge blade, right? Yeah, and that thing is thick. Like I've been hit with a belt. And so in my head, I was like, okay, it's a belt. Yeah, that's that really sucks. I get that. But like when I saw it and I was like, oh my God, like that's brutal. And he would, I'll get into more detail, but like he would, I mean, this wasn't just like I hit my son once. Like he would beat him um, until he would black out at times. That's awful. Yeah, it's awful. It's brutal. And his sister Karen says that they just learned to deal with it, right? Like when you grow up with that, it's just a part of your life. So they all sort of adapted, but even more so John would like refuse to cry. Like he would not cry in front of his dad, even when his dad was beating him. And that would just like infuriate his dad more. So it was like, almost like they were both playing this game of chicken and John was always the one to lose. I could definitely see how that type of abuse can attribute to someone's psyche changing to being psychopathic or, you know, that's, that's a horrible thing to have to experience. So yeah, I, I can see why this is, you know, something that you're bringing up. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it just leaves it. So you're not comfortable at all in your own house. Like if you've, if you're constantly walking on eggshells, it's still not even mattering. I mean, that's I'm sure led to a lot of insecurities and just a lot of issues. But the other thing was his mom would defend him. You know, that's her only son, her baby. She would constantly be trying to defend him, whether that's like interfering or, you know, you pleading for the husband to stop. And that would just infuriate the dad more. Like he would always sort of act like she was babying him so much. So he started to like resent his mom, even though his mom's this great figure in his life really cares about him and loves him. 
like that love just leads to more abuse. So it's like, he almost doesn't want that. Now he, I mean, from a very young age, he would take the opportunity every day to tell John that he was a piece of shit. So like, he was just always telling, and, and in some form or another, like he would flat out say that to like, you're going to amount to nothing. You're a disappointment, all of those things. And when Gacy was seven, his father was informed that him and so his son and another kid were actually busted sexually fondling this other little girl. And, you know, obviously that does need to be addressed, but the, his dad just beat, I mean, he beat him. He beat him so bad that he actually, this was one of the first times he blacked out. He had hit him in the head so hard that he just blacked out. And, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I think you'd be really concerned, right? If your seven-year-old son is been busted molesting someone. Yeah, absolutely. But then at the same time to, to beat them to death, no, you want to educate them and explain to them, you know, what they did, why what they did was inappropriate or wrong. And instead it just sounds like his dad just gave him a wailing and no explanation. A seven-year-old, yes, I, I, I understand that that's still fairly young, but if you're not informed or told that that's inappropriate and you shouldn't be doing that, you know. But I think that right there is kind of what I'm getting at too, is like, how does he know to do that almost? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying, like, I think kids have access to, unfortunately, a lot more stuff than they did before. You know what I mean? In the fifties, it's not like they were like, I saw some girl on YouTube, like doing this thing. So where did he, where, like, where did this behavior come from too, would be my question. And, and to your point, right. You're totally right. Like you need to explain why that's wrong. And, um, you know, maybe this, I'm just thinking about this right now, but it probably like shamed him in some form about like sexuality in general, but no matter what, I have a lot of questions because I just think in some form that was a learned behavior. So allegedly that same year, Gacy confessed to his mom that one of the, like a family friend, a contractor had been repeatedly molesting him in a car, like in a truck driving around kind of thing. So uh, are you familiar with that at all? I know you, you're pretty familiar with John, the John Wayne Casey case. Um, I can't say that I recall that specifically, but um, he, how old was he when he reported that to his mom? Okay, so he's seven. Let me tell you why I'm bringing this up in this whole story. His sister, Karen, came out and started doing more interviews. And she does this interview with Oprah. And okay, first of all, the interview just felt kind of awkward. I know we probably shouldn't re be referring to him as like John because he's a monster and stuff. But for me, like if you're having an interview with someone's sister, right? Like, and you're talking about his childhood and things like that. Don't you think you'd be calling him John? Or, or Gacy or something, but she just keep repeatedly calls him, calling him John Wayne Gacy over and over and over again. And somehow it was just making me uncomfortable. Like it was like, you know, it'd be like two people sitting around like us talking around a serial killer instead of like trying to connect with his sister. So the sister just like casually mentions like, oh yeah. And so John did tell my mom when he was seven that he was molested by this person. And right away I'm like, what? Like, and Oprah's like, 
you know, if every kid that was molested, she went down that rabbit hole of like, you can't use that as an excuse because, but I was like, hold on, Oprah. Like you're here to ask the big questions. Like, can we touch on that a little more? And I was just like desperately searching at that point to try to find more information. And I realized that like some, like a book I'd already read and some other resources I had already gone through had mentioned it, but it's just so casually mentioned. It's like his dad was abusive and he was molested as a child. And then he went to school. Like it's just brushed over. I don't even know. I mean, this could just be something that John made up later in life. It sounds like it really was true though. And again, to me, it's just interesting. I think that there's a good chance he's like lashing out. He's touching little girls because he's being touched and like, he doesn't know what's going on. And he was terrified to tell his dad. Like he, like even his mom was like, we cannot tell your dad. Like he would blame him for that activity, even though he had nothing to do with it, obviously. Right. He's seven. He's seven yeah. years old. Oh, it's crazy. Sorry. That was like, not even my, in my notes. That was just like a rant of mine because I've been thinking about that damn Oprah interview all week. So you're welcome. You guys look it up. It's on YouTube, but <laughs> it's awkward. Hold on. Side note. I should add this in my notes for, for later anyways, but also I found this lifetime show with Karen, with the sister. Maybe you guys have heard about this. I don't really watch lifetime very much, but it's the show that brings like serial killers victims together with serial killers families. Have you seen this? No, I have not. Are they searching for closure or is it to supposedly? Get a- I mean, they're searching for ratings. Like <laughs> that's what you can tell in this awkward. Yeah. So I went down this rabbit hole and started watching the show because I watched it. So Karen, the sister, and her daughter. She met with this uh, victim's family. They bring them together and they do kind of have this talk and they're supposed to have this closure. But yes, you can tell it's the most awkward thing in the world. And like the second they both get into the room, they're like, why did we do this? But yeah, there's a bunch of them out there. I like, I kind of spiraled and I watched a few of them, but it was one of those things where I was like, don't watch this. This is so horrible. What's the next episode? They do the Craigslist killer too. So I saw that one. It's very awkward, you guys. Let's look. <laughs> What is the name of the show? Oh, if you can't remember, it's fine, but you guys don't remember. Okay. Now I want to see it. I'm going to figure it out. I will let you guys know the next episode because everyone should watch it. I don't know if it's still a current show. I hope, I don't know. I don't know if we have some big fans out there, but it was to me like, it, it was like that reality TV where it's just so bad. You can't turn away, but you're like, this is, I don't think this is helping. I don't know. Some therapist, call us and let us know if that is in any way helpful. But the looks on those people's faces, like, I, I don't think anyone slept well that night. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Let's move on. Where were we? Let's jump forward a little bit. So now he's nine. He's still, you know, he's still baby practically. He's nine. He's out on the playground. And I don't know how this happened, but somehow he gets hit really hard with a swing in the head. And he, again, passes out. So he's probably already got all this head trauma to his head, they rush him to the hospital and they realize he has blood clots in his head. You know, he's having like actual issues for years after that, he's blacking out and his dad's basically making it seem like he's a hypochondriac and no one's really helping him. And finally, someone realizes what's really going on and gets him the right medicine. And he finally stops blacking out, but that's like pretty intense, right? Uh, that's, that sounds like a serious condition or something. I mean, yeah. And okay. Again, like that's something we see with a lot of serial killers though, is they had head, head traumas as a child. 
I don't know. I think we're like four, I don't know, five, six minutes in. And I've already discussed several head traumas that he's had before he's even hit double digits. Something's wrong there. Okay. This is also the, around the time he starts getting busted wearing women's underwear. He's uh, specifically caught wearing his mom's underwear. And his sister said one time she even found like a a creepy bag in his closet just full of a bunch of women's underwear so she takes it to her mom and she's like uh like what is this and right away she's like don't ever mention it like give me those like don't talk about it like she's trying to hide it from his dad she does some weird things to sort of try to I think punish him she like makes him wear them to school one day I don't know I, I don't understand how that really helps the situation. There's definitely no trying to understand what this means or any of that stuff, but. I have a question. Okay. You said his mother would make him wear women's underwear to school as punishment. No, 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 no. Sorry. Okay. So I'm sorry. She, I think it was like that. You know, when you bust a kid smoking and you're like smoke this whole pack of cigarettes like I think she found him like constantly messing around and playing with these underwear so she thought like if I make you wear them to school you're gonna be so worried and embarrassed that you're gonna stop doing it definitely doesn't help the situation Gacy does start missing a lot of school whether and he's like weirdly going through all of these health issues I mean again maybe it's because he's being abused a lot but he ends up getting a first he had appendicitis and his appendix actually burst so he's out a bunch of time for that he ends up getting diagnosed with a congestive heart condition like a heart disease so now he can't he can't be out there playing with all these kids he can't play sports or anything like that not that it seems like he was that interested in any anyways, but with all of this stuff going on, he starts putting on a lot of weight, which shockingly is not going to help your popularity at school, you know? So he's already kind of getting teased. Now he's not showing up to school when he does, you know, he's coming back and he keeps getting heavier and heavier. This is really affecting him and things at home aren't getting any easier. So he, he's honestly getting weirder. Okay. I only saw this in one source. I saw this in a couple of sources. This, this actually comes from a story that John Wayne Gacy tells, which I'm always hesitant to tell his stories. His, his sister sort of brings it up as well. He gets really graphic, like purposely so, I think, when talking about um, anything to do with sex. Like he wants to give you all the raw graphic details. And so there was this one time, allegedly, he used Crisco, you know, like the, the grease and a carrot and was pleasuring himself. Let's let's stay there. And his sister walks in and freaks out. And his dad is like, again, instead of pulling him aside and being like, everybody has their own kinks, but like, you can't do that shit in the kitchen, beats him. He beats him again, beats him till he blacks out. And then he made him live in the basement on the basement floor. It's not like they moved a bed down there. He makes him sleep on the cement floor for over a month. And you know, even though the mom's pleading, bring him back upstairs, all this stuff, he makes him stay in this dark, cold basement. And finally, John Wayne Gacy gets pneumonia to the point where he's hospitalized. And then that's when they finally bring him up. And like the way John describes it was like pneumonia was worth it to be out of that basement. But who have we seen stuff like this before getting locked in basements? Like Kemper, like similar scenario, but I mean, I just don't understand in, in that era, what would make them think, 
that a punishment like locking them in a cold basement is going to deter them from behaving the way that they were behaving before. I just, I don't understand the logic behind that type of punishment. If anything, I would be trying to seek some type of professional help. If I walk into a kitchen and my kid's ramming a carrot up his ass, I'm going to be like, what's, what's going on? Like, what is motivating you to want to do something like that? That's horrible. I'm not in any form or any way condoning this, but it, it, it is like the late fifties, early sixties. Like, I do think there's a chance therapy is not a thing. It's not something, I mean, therapy is a thing for real, but I, it's, I mean, this guy seems very tolerant, right? Like, I, I don't think he's taking his son to therapy. And on top of that, he's not like, he doesn't seem to be, uh, very supportive of the gay movement either, if you get what I'm saying. So I think if there's, if John's questioning his sexuality at all, like the dad's definitely not approving of that. I understand that, but I mean, the things that he's doing, I would be questioning, like you said, why is he doing that? You know, it's just cause he's messed up. Like, it's just cause he's like a broken human. Like that's the way his dad treats him is like, just a bad egg kind of. Now, John's 18. He's going to still try to make an impact in his community. And he becomes an assistant precinct captain for a local Democratic candidate. So, okay. Eventually, he's going to get to drop that associate's title and he'll actually be the precinct captain. And all that means is it's, it is a big deal, I think. He's an elected official and he too kind of helps with like voter registration, getting absent ball- ballots, those kind of things, you know, distributing information, um, all this stuff. This was not what I was interested in 18. Like I give him credit for that alone. I think that's impressive. But his dad's like, this is a, this is a waste of time. He keeps calling him a patsy. Like he doesn't like support this passion at all or anything. Like he's just like, if you want to go waste your time, be my guest. So it's like, no matter what he does, he gets elected by his community. And and he's not living in the middle of nowhere. This is in Chicago. He's getting elected at a young age. And his dad's just like, like not impressed. Not impressed at all. He's a senior in high school, like just finish. Like I, this drives me crazy when people drop. I, I know so many people that dropped out senior year. It drives me freaking mad. I'm like, just, just do it. But he's getting bullied a lot at school. And can you imagine, you know, you're getting bullied at home. You're getting bullied at school. Like, and he tried, he starts going, he goes to a different high school, shows up there, same thing. So then he's like, okay, I'm going to give it one last shot. Maybe third time's the charm. He goes to this other school and like, they're just relentless. Kids are horrible. There was no anti-bullying program at the time. (laughs) So John says, screw this. I'm done. Peace and out. I'm quitting. I'm officially, I'm not going back. I'm not going to graduate. Well, to his dad, it's like, I know, cause you're a loser. Like, I know you're a failure. I'm not shocked at all. It's just, again, let's like add this to the list of reasons that his dad is disappointed with him. And it's so hard. It's, I don't want to say it's heartbreaking. Never want to say it's heartbreaking with John Wayne Gacy, but you can tell even like listening to him, you can tell like how important it is for him to get his dad's approval. And no matter what he does, he's not, you know, he he feels like he's not going to get it. So strangely enough, his dad's like, Hey, you know, you're a man now I'm going to help you get a car, which seems like a good idea. 
But of course, since his dad got him the car, he just uses it as like a power trip. And whenever he gets mad at John, he takes the key away from him and he won't let him drive his own car. So John's like, cool. Thanks, dad. Uh, thanks for the car. And then one day when he's actually allowed to drive it, he goes and he gets a second copy made. And he's like, I am a man. I am going to drive my car. Well, his dad's a mechanic. So his dad's like, screw you. And his dad starts like taking parts out of the car that he knows he can easily fix, but that the car like literally won't run. He can't use it at all. That level of trying to control your 18 year old son, it's, it's just a neck. It's, you know, it's a next step. So he's 18 and he runs away. I would never say an 18 year old is running away, but I literally think John Wayne Gacy ran away. Like he got in his car one day and was like, screw it. And he drove all the way to Las Vegas. And he's like, I'm done. I'm going to start my new life here. That's what he does. He just goes there and he's going to try to start something new. So Gacy gets himself a job right away. He does find himself a job as a janitor in a mortuary. So now he's just surrounded by dead bodies. And he's even in a situation, I mean, he has like no money. He probably wasted all of his money getting out there. I mean, I couldn't even imagine. I think it's like a two or three day drive to get from Chicago to Vegas. I've never done that drive, but I, I would guess that that's about correct. That's a brutal drive. So good for him. His dad thought he couldn't do it, but he made it. I'm sure he was like, I want to go as far away as possible from my dad. I'm wondering too, did, did his mom and dad like try and like figure out where he went or anything? Or it was just like, all right, he's gone. He's out of our hair. I think because he had a close relationship with his mom and his sisters, I think he like called at some point pretty quickly and was like, I'm going to Vegas. Like you can't stop me. So he gets this job and he doesn't have anywhere to live. So they're like, Hey, you know what? Actually we'll go ahead. We'll give you room and board. You can stay here, which again, I think most people would be like, you know what? Like, I'll just sleep in my car. Thank you. But John's like, great. I can make myself at home. It's warmer than the basement at home. So, um, this is the point where it's really important to Gacy that I now express that he was not actually sleeping like overnight with these bodies. Cause that would have been weird. He was only cuddling with that teenage boy's body. And he also admits to fondling it, but he wants it like he says it very clear at like, no, people are ridiculous. Like people think that I was cuddling up with them all night and it wasn't like that. It was just, you know, like an hour of cuddle time. They're dead. They're dead. Yes. Yes. And like to him, he's like, people always blow this out of proportion. You know, so obviously, shockingly, he pretty quickly within within three months of moving out there, he's done that job. Let him go due to such behavior. Oh, so they knew he was in there cuddling with the the body. They busted him with a teenage boy. I don't know what busted him fully means. Like, I don't know if they like caught him in the act or what the situation was, but they got him out of there right away. There was no like two week grace period it was like get out of here so at that point even John's like you know what like I don't know if I'm losing it maybe like this behavior isn't normal I gotta get I gotta get it together like there's is there something wrong with me yeah I think being there it, it taught him to be comfortable with dead bodies it probably taught him some things too that 
it's probably not good for him to know, like, what do you plug up? So things don't ooze and all those kind of gross things. Like, again, I'm trying to not be graphic, but John Wayne Gacy is so effing graphic. Like, and I think it is to kind of push that limit. And he just wants to tell you like every little, little detail, but so he calls his mommy at this point. Right. He's like, you know, he has to come home. He wasn't like, Hey mommy, it turns out I'm a crazy person, but he's like, this isn't working out. Can I come home? She's like, let me talk to your dad. We'll see like if everybody's moved past this and, and they're like, yeah, just shut up and come home kind of thing. (laughs) He comes back and he does try to move forward with his life. And so what he does is he enrolls in school right away. He gets back, he goes to Northwestern business college. Um, He's trying to get a degree in management. He is pretty smart. He's smart. So he does well there. And people are, you know, once you get to college, like people aren't bullying you and all that stuff. Like everybody's just like, I was going to say they're all just paying too much and trying to get out of there, but I think things were a little different back then, (laughs) but you know, you go to college because you have goals. It's not like, you know, whatever He, he had an easier time there. And he was able to uh, he was able to graduate. He, he did that good. So in 63, which shout out to my dad, cause he was born in 1963 and he's the one who requested this episode. So hi dad. Um, but so he gets uh, a job at a, a very well-known shoe store and he does so good. He moves up that they actually haven't moved down to Springfield, Illinois, uh, to manage some stores. Cause he was like the head of, and he was the head salesperson. Like he was killing it. So he gets down there and he's charismatic Gacy. People love him. He's top of sales. And so girls are starting to notice. So let me quickly, briefly go into him joining the JCs, the junior chambers, because this is pretty important. This is what's important to him. This is like a big part of his life. Now, the thing that drives me crazy, because just like the molestation allegation, everybody brushes over this. Like, yeah, he was in the JCs. It was driving me nuts because I'm like, I have no clue. Are you familiar? Is this like something you grew up with, the JCs? It's still a thing. No, I, I don't, I, this isn't familiar to me, but I do remember like learning about this as I researched him too. And like, this stays with him, even when he's, once he's incarcerated, I think like, this is something he's really good at. So tell me what, what are the JCs? What are the JCs, right? It's like, it's practically like this fraternity, but it's uh, this leadership training and civil organization for people between the ages of 18 and 40. And it emphasizes business development, management skills, individual training, community service, and international connections. So I don't know from what it sounds like what he was doing. I didn't see any of this training going on, but like he jumped on this stuff. Like he loved the JCs. He did really well in there. He got a write up in Springfield, Illinois newspaper. And um, he was really proud of himself. So besides selling all the shoes, he's killing it in the JCs and he's just attracting women left and right, I guess. And so that's when he meets this pretty girl, Marilyn Myers. And you know, she comes from a good upbringing. She's Catholic. She's, you know, got a good family. They're like known to be like well-to-do people. He's like, okay, I like this girl. She likes him. They're dating. It all moves pretty quickly. And within 10 months, she's engaged. They're engaged. (laughs) She's engaged, but I just don't think of him as a human anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So at some point, somehow, I don't know how it happened, but 
she actually finds out that he got I don't know how to politic like politically correct say this he got a blowjob can I say that I guess our podcast yeah. I guess I could say whatever I want but I'm sorry I, I, think we've said far worse. I know I probably have said a lot worse oh he got one from a another wife of a member of the JCs so he just loves to keep everything in the JCs and so she finds out obviously she's like furious they're fighting, but somehow they get over this. They move past it. They do get married, but I think this might, this is totally me speculating, but I think possibly this had something to do with their decision to move back to what well, was her decision to move back to Waterloo, Iowa. He wanted to move back to Waterloo, Iowa with her because his, uh, her dad was well off and he liked John a lot. So when they moved there, his dad helped his dad, his, his, her, her dad. dad, his, his father-in-law. I, I feel like I can just see him walking into the room, calling him dad. But, um, so they move there. He gets him a house. So he puts him up in this, you know, adorable little house. And then he lets him manage the three KFCs that he owns. You got to know, first of all, he's probably got money. If he's got three KFCs. To me, it's like a built-in manager spot. Like it was probably to him, it was like perfect. He was making like 15,000, uh, which like equates to like 120,000 a year now. He's still in his like early twenties. I'm assuming things are a little cheaper in Waterloo, Iowa. So things are good, but also think about what does like working at like a fast food restaurant, like KFC sort of put you really close by. Like a lot of young guys. Yeah, I mean, other employees that are young teenagers, uh, it's their first job. He's got like immediate access to kids, basically. Yes, he's got immediate access to kids. He's like the jolly fun guy also, because he's showing up to all this stuff with like loads of chicken and he wants people to call him the colonel. And like, this is the point in all of my research where they would make like a fat joke. So feel free in your heads right now, guys, insert your fat joke. I'm not doing it, but I will say this is just another reason I like Popeye's more. So he's got access to all of these young men and he's, you know, around this time he gets to have his first sexual experience with a man. I mean, this should be a beautiful thing if he wasn't married, but one thing I'll say, I, so I heard part of the story directly from him in an interview, but I, I saw a bunch of sources saying that this happened when his wife was actually in the hospital in labor, giving birth to the first, his first son, Michael. Again, not, not 100% that didn't come out of John Wayne Gacy's mouth. Not that I would necessarily trust it, even if it did, but he did not want to spare any of the details. So I have tried to clean this story up a little bit, but so he's at a bar, he meets this guy and this guy's bragging to him. And he tells him, you know, like you've got a 50% chance of hooking up with someone tonight. And I've got a hundred percent chance of hooking up with someone tonight. And of course, John's like, well, okay. Tell me how you've opened the odds up. How do you do this? You know? And he then asked him like, Hey, have you ever gotten a blowjob from a guy? And you know, John looks a little like taken back and he's like, no, 
like, I, like I'm not gay. Like, I just think you should know that a blowjob feels like a blowjob, no matter who you're getting it from. And it feels good <laughs> no matter who you're getting it from. And so uh, then he claims he drank a bunch. He doesn't know what happened. He blacked out a little bit and then he woke up and he was getting to experience that from a man for the first time. So <laughs> Mr. Gacy knew you'd make that face, Kristen. So he threw in to not judge him because if you've, he says, if you've ever done your girl in the butt, it's the same thing, except for you have something to grab onto if you're doing a guy. Again, I'm sorry, guys. He's so graphic. And for like a month, I've been listening to this stuff and it's rough. It's like, it's not, it's not dinner table conversations. <laughs> Definitely not. You're like, turn it off, turn it off. Yeah. Again, that was the cleaned up version too. So, so he really enjoyed the night his child was born is what I'm getting at. Well, I feel really bad for his wife and his, and his son. You said it was a son, right? He had a boy first. Yeah, he had a boy first. And, um, yeah, all it took was a couple smooth lines and some arithmetic, some math there. And he was like, I'll try it. <laughs> I feel like it didn't take too much, but so he's got this baby. He's now a family man. He's, I mean, on paper, it looks like he's doing great, right? He's running three KFCs, you know, he's a big shot in town. So his family comes to visit him to see the baby and his dad tells him like, Oh my God, John, I was wrong. Like I was wrong to abuse you. I was wrong to put you down. Like, you're not a failure. You look at you. Like, I'm really proud of you. And he was, you know, I think that was a huge, huge deal to him. Like he had waited his whole life to hear that. To get his father's approval finally. But I feel like, was it really even true approval if really he got all that he had like managing the three KFCs because of his charisma and him, his father-in-law just kind of being fond of him. He didn't really attain any of that on his own. You know, it was kind of like, you're my daughter's husband. Here you go. You know? And now his dad is like, Oh, I'm proud of you. It, he had to still feel somewhat like he had not really truly gained his father's approval. That's, that's my take. Well, I think that John had he sort of strategically picked Marilyn. And like, I think he, feel like, he feels like, well, I did do the legwork. I did do, I did my background check on all of the pretty ladies at the shoe store. And she had the best backstory that could catapult me in life. So I feel like uh, maybe that, I think at that moment, it probably wasn't going through his head. I think just hearing it was like, you know, he was on cloud nine. Um, and we'll see if his dad really like believed that. I'm sure his dad at some point regretted saying that. But at that moment, I think John, again, he just feels like he's he's on top of the world. Nobody, nobody can mess with him. And so he's gonna try to mess with some boys. Like he's still getting closer to all these boys, and he is starting to do some crazy stuff at this point. He is uh, like I highlighted he's getting close to him. He's now been, he's okay. I'm sorry. Rambling a little bit. He has now found the newest chapter of the JCs. You know, he's gotta, he's gotta, you gotta be big in the JCs of Waterloo, Iowa. So 
he's actually vice president. That's how good he's doing. And he's killing it. And he's somehow finding this way to bring in all these members. They've got all these new people signing up and how he's doing it and how he's getting people to like him. is like I said, he's bringing in buckets of chicken to like every meeting and he's bringing snuff films and he's letting these kids watch porn and he's bringing, um, not even just the JCs cause you gotta be 18 to be in the JCs. He's bringing in even younger kids from KFC. They're all partying in his basement. He's giving them alcohol. So all this, all this weird stuff is going on, right? So how can we step this up? How can we make this even creepier? He really starts coming on to all of these kids. And so if I, I haven't said it about John Wayne Gacy, he's very homophobic. He hates gay people and he is not gay. He is bisexual. Being bisexual, that's totally cool. Like, you know, that's just to improve your odds. Like that's, that's acceptable, but being gay is disgusting. Like that, and that's how he treats it. And that's, that's how he acts. What are those his words? Like, did he say oh, that? Oh yeah, like, well, no. So, okay. okay, so he later on will start to say things like, um, like to each their own. Like, you know, he really, he does though. He like puts them down. He's like, they are, they are not equals. He's a bisexual. He wants it to be like, if you even try to call him a homosexual, like even when cops would, he would like stop them and be like, no, not a homosexual. Bisexual, maybe, but not a homosexual. He cannot, maybe. <laughs> yes, wow. he cannot. So he's like coming on to these kids and then either he would, you know, get to do something with the kids or if they were like, no, uh, no, I, excuse me kind of thing. Then he was like, oh, good. That was a test and you passed. So he like, he's just finding this way to always, you know, kind of get one up on them. So uh, the other thing is, so I, I'd already mentioned, like he's doing all this stuff with the other kids, but he's also kind of turned this into a swingers club, to be honest. Like he's throwing these wild parties and people are showing up. They're like going home with other people's wives, all this stuff. And so his uh, sister, Karen, comes out to visit him. And he tells her, like, let's go. We're going to this party. And she goes. She's having a great time. She's like, admittedly, it was a good party. And so it's like towards the end of the night, he's walking him out towards the car. And he's like, hey, just giving you a heads up. I'm not coming home with you guys. Miriam, my, Miriam, my wife's going to take you home. Um, and, uh, I'm going to go home with this lady. And then like some, and then that lady's husband jumps in the car and they head home. So wait, so like a tryst with this other married couple Yes. or yes. Like, like these are full on swingers. So these, this couple, these two couples switch, they just totally switch. Now Karen's stuck going home with her sister-in-law and some random guy and she's got, I mean, she just fully knows what they're, I mean, they're not going there to like make pancakes, right? Like the, she knows what they're going there for. And she's furious. She's like disgusted. She's like, she's packing her stuff in the morning when John finds, when that guy leaves, when the other guy leaves and John walks in the door, she's yelling at him and she's like, I'm leaving. She's like, I'm not a prude, but like, do that on your own time. Like I'm your sister. Like you couldn't wait one night. And like, I just drove five hours for this. 
and she leaves she leaves right there and she said like in her she says that she feels like his wife didn't really want to be a part of it she seemed uncomfortable with it who knows after the fact what the situation was but no matter what like it was what would you do if that was your brother um I probably I don't know I I don't know if I would have like you know said anything verbally to him I probably just would have left quietly and not said anything Uh, like I would have acted like it never happened but I probably would not voluntarily stay at his home again (laughs) I just you know I like like you said to each their own but like you know you knew that I was coming to town you couldn't wait until I left to have your tryst or whatever I mean I'm no prude <laughs> like, like said, but still I'm no, no prude but I'm not taking my sister to a swingers party right yeah. like yeah, yeah that's just uncomfortable and she left I don't think she ever came and stayed in the Waterloo household again I, I'm sure John was like what <laughs> this is it sounds like it it sounds like but then too I'm wondering what his wife was thinking like I mean it sounds like this was a common thing maybe and maybe she maybe she was only embarrassed because his sister was there and like she had to ride home with her but you know I would have been like hey John not tonight sorry we're gonna go home with Karen and we're gonna call it a night tonight but I, I don't know what I don't know man I don't know I, I don't know, but I would love to hear the stories from like the couple that switched with them. Like, like I left my wife with John Wayne Casey. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sure none of those people are coming forward with their, I know. Yeah. I'm sure that's not something you brag about. Oh no, no, no. That's not happening. But that's a small town. So, you know, somebody knows. John's going to step up his game. He's not just going to test these kids. He's going to do science experiments on them. So he offers kids $50. Yes, he he offers boys $50 to participate in a science experiment. And for $50 and for your love of science, you just have to have sex with John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, and people were doing it. He had kids doing it. For $50? Yes. I mean, wait, what would be equivalent of $50 back then? I'm not saying, I'm, you know, I'm justifying it by any means. I'm like, hold on, and I'll, I'll give you the number and I'll let you make your make your call. $400. To a teenager. And for science. I mean, look at the Epstein. Look at the whole Epstein thing or whatever. I could see that. I could see I that. I could see manip- being able to manipulate them. But calling it a science experiment? Like, right. what? exactly calling it a science experiment <laughs> it's just so much like how did, how did you even come up with that and it worked how did it work I, oh. I mean I guess it's clever <laughs> like you said it worked it worked so I mean and I'm sure he sold it so whatever but okay now we're it's like 1967 and John doesn't just have vice president energy right like he can't just stop there like he's got to achieve his ultimate goal of president of the JCs. And so he is actively campaigning for it. And it, it, people like him. Like, again, it, it's, it's looking pretty good for him. And he's in the middle of campaigning when he's arrested on the sodomy charge. 
of course he's like, no, 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 it wasn't me. It wasn't me. That boy was blackmailing me. And so that's what he claims is like, uh, like he is part of the science experiments. No, but basically that's what he said. He was doing this for money. And then the second we were done, he like started blackmailing me and trying to get more money out of me. And I said, no. So this was consensual, but that like, that's not what really happened. The guy that, I mean, it was sad to me, but the person was a minor, obviously too, right? Or were they a minor? Yes. Okay. So get this, because I don't know if you remember this part. It's actually one of the other members of the JCs who's running for president. It's his son. It's his 16 year old son, Don Vortes. So he had Don come over and he was paying him to do stuff around the house. Like, you know, like chores you'd hire a 16 year old to do. And he invites him into this basement and he gives him alcohol and he shows him porn. And then he tells him like, you know, right. You can't have sex with a woman until you have sex with a man. Like, again, I don't know exactly how this went down. Plus he's giving these minors who probably haven't had much alcohol, a ton of alcohol. And he sexually assaults this boy, Don. And he's like traumatized and mortified and all this stuff. So he doesn't tell right away. And I think it's probably when he starts hearing that John's running for president a bunch and all this stuff again, probably hearing that name in his house a lot. He finally confesses to his dad and explains what happened. And right away, the dad calls the cops immediately, calls the cops and they obviously come and they question John. And he, again, makes up, no, like this is, he, that's his claim is that like, I'm being railroaded because his dad wants to be president of the JCs. Like, because being the president of the JCs is that important that you're going to traumatize your son and have him make up this story Mm -mm. in the 60s on top of it. Like, I, I don't know. It's just insane. And thankfully the cops aren't believing. I just think it like, it's obviously he got out of it in some way or another, you know, yes, it's a charge. Maybe he served some time. I can't remember, but how do you, how do you try and justify or talk your way through what you did to a, to a 16 year old? And in his head, he was like, so convinced that he wasn't in the wrong. Like, he's like, you know, give me a polygraph test, you know, bring the polygrapher in. I'm ready. And he wasn't able to pass the test. He failed Mm. twice. And on top of that, another 16 year old comes forward with a very similar story. And who knows how many kids didn't come forward? You know what I mean? I'm sure there was plenty who didn't want to admit what happened. So the cops knew that he was guilty. They charge him. Good for his first wife. She was like, uh, no, she pieced the F out of there. She had zero interest. Yeah. She was like, he's guilty. I believe he's guilty. I'm not sticking around. I want a divorce. Like immediately she divorced him and took the two kids. Did I forget to mention? I think I forgot to mention that somehow in all this, this time when he's doing for the JCs, they also have a daughter. So this is all going and this baby's like a month old when this is all going down. She's very young. And so she gets out of there. She divorces him. And John never sees this two kids Ever. again. Well, hell, no. were they his kids? I mean, damn. If they were swapping partners and stuff, who knows? But never sees his kids again. She leaves. She gets out of there. 
Yeah. And, and honestly, so the other thing that surprises me is that Gacy's family really believes him. Like even his dad believes him, no matter all the weird stuff he's done and how much they don't trust him. Like they kind of believe something happened. Like they believe there was consensual sex and then he was then blackmailed, like blackmailed. And that this was all because his dad was running for president of the JCs. Like they clung to that and they really believed it. And they were, you know, really worried about their son and their brother because he's going to potentially be sitting there rotting away in jail when he didn't do what he did. But yeah, I think his wife had, I'm sure his wife had already had some questions before it happened. Cause like, she didn't question it at all when that went down and was like, nope. They were, I think even to like the other members of the JCs too, they knew all the stuff that he was doing, you know, not necessarily with the, the children, but like he was being, I'm sure perverted or whatever in front of them. And maybe they were being perverted back, but they were just assuming he wasn't going to behave that way with children. I don't know. That's just. Especially their children, right? Like, so he goes to trial, John, oh, John. So he tells this kid, cause he's convinced he's out on bail. He gets out on bail and he's like convinced, like, I just got to get rid of this Don kid and I'll be good. If Donald's gone and he can't testify, then I'm good and there won't be any charges. So the whole time he's just denying all of this and he's trying to like keep his good name up. And he hires one of his, one of his KFC employees, Russell Schroeder. And he tells him like, Hey, I'll give you 300 bucks. Well, I'll give you 10 bucks now. And then 300 bucks after you like beat the hell out of Donald uh, Donald Vortex and you know basically like get him out of here I don't need him you know smearing my good name and sending me to jail yeah Russell's like oh I need to pay off my car note yes yeah I'll do that not, not a problem not a problem John I'll take care of that for you and so he does he finds this kid and he uh, sprays mace in his eyes and you know proceeds to like try to beat the hell out of him somehow Donald gets away, thank God, gets away and like basically runs straight to the police department and says like, this is what happened. Russell Schroeder attacked me. The cops go pick Russell up and like basically Russell's like, do you know John Wayne Gacy? <laughs> like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we do. And so they go ahead and they charge him with like a whole handful of other charges that he obviously deserved. And so they tell John, Hey man, you're done. You're done. You're going to jail. Let's just face it. Now we got like so many charges on you. This is ridiculous. So they offer him up. Like, we'll just go ahead. We'll drop all the other charges. You just go ahead and you have to, um, you know, plead guilty on the sodomy charge. And his legal counsel is like, take it. Like you're not, you're done. You're not going to win that charge. So you might as well just take it. And at least all the other stuff will be dropped because those came with serious time also. What a bad idea that was. On December 3rd, 1968, Gacy is officially sentenced to 10 years behind bars. All of this paperwork, like all the papers at the time, because, you know, it's like the 60s, we're practically in the Bible Belt. Like they're not saying exactly what ha happened. They're all saying that he was going away on a immorals charge. And I'm sure there was a lot of talk in the town on what that actually meant. 
But when he gets to jail, he's like standing behind his immorals charge. Like he's like, oh, I never, I never touched a kid. He was like, you know, that actually, the, you know, how sometimes the sodomy charge is due to porn. And again, I don't know how he sold people on this. But he was like claiming that he had just showed some minors. We're not minors. Like they're 16. They're practically men. I showed him some porn and now I'm here. And people bought it. Like people liked him. Even though usually like child molesters don't do well. He really was able to like sell himself in jail. I think he, he, it sounds like he normalized what he was doing. Like, ah, I didn't do anything that bad or that, you know. He's got all this experience being a cook. He's a good cook, which is like hard to come across in jail. He actually knows how to use spices and all that stuff. So they make him head chef, which is like a very good place to be in at the jail because now he can save the good food for the right inmates, for the right guards, those kind of things. So now he's getting hooked up. He's getting favors left and right again. And everybody's treating him like he's this, you know, this God, this hero, at least that's the way he explains it. But, um, he also, while he's gaining all this power, of course, he's going to be in the JCs in jail. Why wouldn't he be? And he grows there too, because he's, again, just like he was doing in Waterloo, was able to like increase the members. He increased the members of the JCs by 600 in one year. So there's news articles on him for that and stuff. They're like honoring him. And, you know, it, it's just whatever. It's just crazy. But the JCs, he loved them. He really shaped him. <laughs> Prison record spotless. He's doing great there. He's got no, you know, ticks against him. And he's up for parole after 18 months. 18 months he's granted parole. He does get put on probation for a year. Wow, a year. But he moves to Chicago. He's got nothing for him in Waterloo anymore. He's got to leave. He's got to go home. He's got to live with his mom. Like, what else is he going to do? And he's like, I'm not going to let this get to me. I am going to work my way back up. I'm going to get my life back. And he pretty quickly gets a job as a cook. Again, he's good at cooking. And he's also into contracting. So he decides to open up his own company, which eventually... PDM contractors will really take off. He will be very successful. But in the beginning, he's cooking during the day or he's you know being a contractor during the day and then cooking at night. Um, and he's just working constantly. He claims like all of his marriages failed because he was a workaholic. Not because of his <laughs> Yeah, it was his lack of being at home. So in, you know, he is still on parole but in 1971, he just like, he, can't, he still can't control his urges. And he picks this boy up at the Greyhound bus stop and assaults him. And the boy, he actually lets the boy go and the, you know, the boy goes and tells the cops. So they're going to arrest him again, except for the boy doesn't show up to court. And so they just drop the case. They drop the case and and then it doesn't somehow get translated back to Waterloo. And so then he's off parole on top of it. In the clear. He's in the clear. So he's building his life and he, you know, he talks to his mom and he says, Hey, like, I want to get a house. I do need your help a little right now. Like, let's get a house together. We'll, we'll basically be roommates. So he does that in August and he does it in Norwood Park Township, 
So that's like Northwestern Chicago. It's like up near O'Hare. It's a pretty nice na- neighborhood. It's a good area, I'd say. Are you familiar no. with it? So he gets this house there. It's this, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty decent house. And he moves in there uh, with his, with his, with his mom and they're going to start their new life. Of course, he's got to get with the local members of the JC. So he does that. He joins the local chapter. I think that's the last time I'm going to bring up the JC, at least for a while, you guys, I promise, but it's not me. It's John. So he, he's doing like whatever he can to be like neighbor of the year. You know, he's like offering up his tools. He now has a plow for his uh, contractor company. So he's like, don't worry about it, Nancy. Like I'll be over in a second. And he's plowing everybody's driveways for free. And you know how it is in Chicago. Sometimes like I'm sure people were like turning their head (laughs) when they're hearing people scream in the basement because they were just like, whatever. But all kidding aside, people really liked him. Like people didn't seem to have a clue what was going on. Uh, He was just a friendly guy. And this is also around the time that he finds another organization that he loves. And that's the Jolly Joker Clown Club. So let's get into it. This was, people who didn't know a lot about John Wayne Gacy were telling me like, isn't he the guy who dressed like a clown and kill people? Like spoiler alert, he does not do that. He doesn't, well... That's not true. There's like one incident that I'm sure there's probably more than one where he was dressed like a clown and he attacked somebody, but, and we'll find out that his whole house is full of clowns and like clown paintings and stuff like that. But it wasn't like he was like actively out there in a clown suit, like finding your children, but it's still a little creepy the way he talks about it though. Like he truly just loved clowning. Like he thought it was like a great way to get back to the community. He creates Pogo and that's, so he creates two clowns. Pogo is his like fun clown when he's in a good mood and he's ready to party, he becomes Pogo. And he like talks about Pogo in like this much greater light. And then he also created Patches and Patches is more serious. You know, when John's not fully feeling it, he'll put on Patches and, uh, and he gets into this. He enjoys it. He, will go to the hospitals and he'll like see sick kids and he goes to parades. Like he was talking about at one fourth of July, he had four parades to go to and he just felt like it reverted him back to his childhood and he loved it. And later on, he'll like even casually say to a cop, like you can get away with murder if you're dressed like a clown. And he would like, he would also talk about like, you know, being a little Trumpy and being like, I'm in a clown costume. So I can just like, handle women if you know what I mean just let's be real it's probably handling men anyways but (laughs) he was getting off I'm sure behind in a clown suit you know in some way or another some way you know I I just think that was a cover and I don't think that he felt like he was doing the community any any service that was all for him and if it wasn't for him I I think it being for the community is the sense like I want everybody to see me as this loving, wonderful guy and less of, and less of like, I want to be this loving, wonderful guy. So he's also really good at throwing parties. Everybody says like John Wayne Gacy throws the best parties and everybody would be trying to get invited. He would throw, like, these were like block parties. He would have barbecues with 400 people, which like, I can't even imagine what it would cost to throw a party with 400 people. And like, you have to provide meat. Like that's insane right now. But yeah, everybody was loving it. And 
John's goal is to really look as normal as possible, right? Like he wants to blend in with society. So he's like, I got to find myself a wife. And he meets up with Carol Hall and they actually dated in high school. And she was really good friends with his sister, Karen. So they're sort of rekindling things. And she had actually recently been divorced. So she has two kids and John, they they love that he's a clown and stuff. Like he makes them crack up. So it seems like a good fit. And at this point, John's mom decides like, you know, it's, it's a good time for me to move out. I want to give this couple their space because they end up getting married. I just want to know why his, his new wife's, uh, I'm sorry, why his sister Karen didn't like remind her friend, hey, do you remember what my brother did? Are you sure? Because because I told you, like, in their minds, he was set up. Set up like, or not? No. No. Like, in her, in her mind, she says her family really felt like, poor John, like, it's rough out there in the JCs, and people are claiming their children were molested to be president. So, therefore, like, in her head, she really, she, and she says, like, she feels horrible, but she just never saw him like that. Like, she never saw him in that demeanor or any of any of that so it was hard for her to like believe that was her brother like imagine if I told you your brother did that today like you know what I mean like you that's not that's not the brother you know right so like it would be really hard for you to believe that right so I think for Karen it was hard too and I think it's like a big stretch to go from being a swinger to like assaulting minors there's no way around it. They're 16. They're I minors. get it, but no, I'm just, oh. Okay. Let me tell, this is, I don't want to say it's my favorite part about John. Oh, right. There is no such wrong. thing. There's no such thing. But when I'm watching all this stuff and I'm watching his, when he finally did the interviews, this part cracked me up. So I, I watch hours and hours of him just stone face. Like he's a very serious guy talking about, you know, killing kids and you know, all this horrible stuff. And he doesn't even like flinch. He doesn't get mad. Nothing. He doesn't really show much emotion, but when he talks about his mother-in-law, like that man could not control himself, his anger. When he was talking about his mother-in-law, he hated that woman. So his mom moves out his new wife and his, you know, two daughters are moving in her two, two, two daughters. And somehow her mom came along for the deal and she wasn't supposed to be there long. She, you know, this was supposed to be like a couple of weeks kind of thing. And John's mom is even telling her like, just come move in with me. It's like great over here, but she's not doing it. He doesn't even give us like specifics. Like he wasn't like, oh, she's always nitpicking me or anything like that. He just hated this woman so much like he could barely sit in his seat and you could just see the anger boiling over him and she ends up staying for a year at one point him and carol are like fighting so much about this that he ends up like having a not a heart attack but he thinks he's having a heart attack and he's basically it's it's probably like a, a panic attack sort of situation but ambulances have to come and everything and like everybody notes that Carol's mom doesn't even come out of the room to check on him when he's like screaming. He's like, I think I'm dying. And she's just chilling in her room. So I'm not going to any idea what the relationship was like. 
She did move out after that fight, though, finally, but it took a year. There was some comments from Carol at the time. She did say, because this is obviously everybody asked, and she does say that she noticed a, you know, some bit of a smell coming from the crawl space, but she doesn't like totally, you know, he just tells her like, oh, it's just runoff from the sewer pipe. He's attempted to take care of the smell and don't worry about it. He, they spread concrete down there and, and some lime and the smell should go away. But other than that, the, the marriage is going good. She enjoys the home. You know, she's part of all the parties and everything. And things are going well, except for all of a sudden Gacy starts kind of disappearing. You know, like he's not around at night at all. Because um, remember, he said he's a workaholic. And so she said she would be like up all night because her room was right by the garage and he'd be gone. And then all of a sudden he would come home and she noticed that he would be, you know, the middle of the night and she, he'd have these young guys there and she wouldn't know him, but these young guys would be there and they'd be talking and they'd be drinking and they'd be loud. Uh, and she, she just is like, do you know what she thinks is going right. on? So she thinks he's a drug dealer because he's like got young guys coming in and out all night. He is a good amount of money because he is making a lot of money with the contracting company. And so in her head, she's just trying to kind of ignore it. And she's like, oh, but I think my husband is a drug dealer. If she had only known, if she'd only had to say it's a lot worse than that. Doesn't know what's going on. She decides this two years into the marriage, this isn't really working out, but uh, then he takes it to that next level. So it's on Mother's Day. And he decides to tell her, hey, we're going to have sex, but this is going to be our last time having sex. He tells his wife that? Yeah, he tells her that. Like, just flat out, like, enjoy it now because <laughs> this is your last time. On Mother's Day, this is to your wife. And she's like, okay. Like, I think she doesn't know. Is this a, like a temporary thing or what? But I think she kind of sees the writing on the wall. She's like, this marriage is over. This is, this is probably over. And, you know, she decides to do a little snooping. Not much snooping, but she does get into his garage. She does, she finds some gay porn. Correction, bisexual porn. I don't think we're allowed to call John Wayne Gacy's porn gay, but it's gay porn. And she finds some wallets of like all these young dudes, but she has no idea who they are. She doesn't know why these wallets are there. So now she's like, for sure, for sure, she's like done. And she even flat out asked him at one point, like, what's going on in the garage? And he basically tells her like, mind your own business very aggressively. So then they get into one final fight about balancing the checkbook. And like, this is an all out battle. And she's like, I'm done, I'm done, done. So she does, she goes ahead and she files for divorce, but they'll end up sticking around for like, you know, four months until the divorce is finalized before they, you know, establish a, a new place to live. But finally she's like, uh, good riddance. I gotta get my kids out of this environment. She moves out. And now John Wayne Gacy is home alone in this house. He has the whole house to himself. He doesn't have to sneak into the garage at night or do any of these things. He's really free to do whatever he wants. And he's free to do whoever he wants, even if they don't want anything done to them. I have a question. 
You okay. said that she smelled something. Yeah, the sewage, Kristen. It's the sewage. I'm sorry. It's getting so late. We're going to stop this here. Obviously, there's going to be a part two. We'll get into all the murders. But yes, at this point, obviously, Carol doesn't know this, but John knows there's already a body. There was already a body under that crawl space when he moved his new wife and her two young daughters into that house. John Wayne Gacy. (laughs) John Wayne Gacy, you guys. So, um, you know, I hate to end here, but I think it's a good point to stop. I think the next step, like trigger warning, pre-trigger warning, the next episode is going to be brutal because he's a horrible individual. So, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something because I know I'm sure most of you have heard you know, watched all of his documentaries or you, you've definitely, I don't care you or you probably heard about John Wayne Gacy at some point. So, uh, but I hope this kind of gives you a better understanding of maybe this is how he ended up the way he did, but I'm definitely not making any excuses for him. He's definitely. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, this was great. And I can't wait to hear the second part. Ah, well, look, look forward to it. You guys, um, we will be back in two weeks. So please, if you enjoyed it, please leave us a review. I know we always ask, but it really helps us a lot if you rate and review us. And we really appreciate all you guys. So thank you so much. And I was going to say have a great night, but have a great day whenever you're watching this. (laughs) Bye, everyone.